church? Everybody good? Y'all awake? Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Man, so uh, glad you are here to celebrate, man. Um, what about baptism and worship? Man, our worship team, they only do an awesome job each week. So give it up for them. So, so thankful for them. If you're a first-time guest, my name's Dustin. I'm the teaching pastor here, um, and so g- grateful that you're here. I know sometimes when you uh, come to a church for the first time, you don't know what to expect. It can be like weird or overwhelming. We're so glad you're here. We hope you have a great, great time. Um, and really, we're just a bunch of imperfect people trying to follow Jesus and be challenged in our faith, and so we're grateful you're here. We're starting a brand new series today, so you come out at a good time. But uh, before we do, just a couple uh, or one thing just wanted to bring to your attention. As you came in this morning, you received um, one of these deacon nomination uh, ballots. Um, and so this is for members. If you are a member of Upstate Church or First Baptist Simpsonville, uh, this is for you. If you're not, uh, it's kind of null and void, okay? Sorry. But um, what this is, is the beauty of being one church at multiple uh, locations is that we collectively um, have deacons, uh, incredible body of uh, awesome, this God-fearing men that serve our church in a lot of different capacities. And, um, and so we get an opportunity um, as a campus to nominate uh, two men that we feel fit, uh, fit the needs and would be an awesome representation of our campus to fill the role of deacon. And so they have to be, just clarify this, they have to be a part of Five Forks, okay, our Five Forks campus. So if you know people at another campus, don't nominate them, okay? Uh, nominate uh, people that are here. And so, um, so hopefully you'll see on this ballot, uh, there's a first nomination and a second. If you could put two names there of people, uh, men, that you feel like would really um, be incredible, incredible deacons for our campus, fill that out. After service, um, as you leave, um, our chairman of the deacons, Tom Rucker, and his goonie, uh, Bobby Cook. Um, just kidding. I, I know. I'm just giving you a hard time, Bobby. They're in the back. I was like, man, y'all look like a bunch of insurance salespeople here. Uh, I'm just kidding. But uh, they are incredible, incredible. Um, they're going to be collecting these at the end of service, so you can just put those uh, in the basket. And it just be incredible as we continue to grow um, that we'll have two deacons um, that represent our campus well. So make sure you do that. Um, and once again, make sure there are people that call Upstate Church Five Forks home. Is that good? Is that clear? Awesome. Well, um, this morning we're kicking off a series, as you can see on the screen, called What If, where we are talking about three things over the next three weeks, um, time, talent, and treasure. And really, the, the title of the series, What If, really derives from this question that we're probably going to ask over and over and over again till you're sick of it, but it really comes from this question, what if we really and truly understood biblical, uh, had this biblical understanding of the gifts that God has given us in time, talent, and treasure, and we use them in a way to glorify God's kingdom instead of our own? That if we use the gifts of the time that God has given us, the talent that God has given us, and the treasures that God has given us to make an impact for God rather than an impact or and build our own kingdom up in this. And so really it boils down to that over the next three weeks, we're going to focus on this one word called stewardship. Now that's really churchy word, 
right? And if you grew up in church, oftentimes when you hear the word stewardship, you think of just finances. It's kind of relegated to just your money, giving all your money. You think of guys like Dave Ramsey or throwback like Larry Burkett. Do you all remember that guy? All right. And you think of really kind of the finances, but really stewardship is a bigger, broader principle that every believer should really come to understand. Because at the very beginning of time, in Genesis chapter 1, when God creates all things and all creation, he creates man, and he gives man the responsibility to work the land, to work the Garden of Eden, okay, to to work that, but he also gives him dominion over all the animals. Remember, he says, name them all. And so in that moment, God gave Adam this incredible gift of stewardship to say, hey, I created everything, but I'm giving you the opportunity to manage it well. You don't own it, but you can manage it well. And the same is true with our time, talent, and treasure, that we don't own those things, that, but that God gives them to us as a gift to be good managers and good stewards of that. Now, oftentimes, when we talk about stewardship this way, Many of us do not like to talk about it. And here's why, because it convicts us. When we begin to talk about our time and how we're using our time and our talent and our treasure, it convicts us. And let's be honest, no one likes to be convicted. You want to walk out of here and be like, that was so encouraging. Not walking out and be like, wow, I just got beat up today. All right. But here's the reality that for some of us, that we need to hear this and understand this because maybe we didn't grow up this way or we just need to be reminded and we need to be um, convicted of it. But most of the time when it comes to church, people will leave here. I hear this all the time as a pastor. Man, that pastor, all he does is talk about serving. You should serve in kids. You should serve with students. You know, you should do the parking team or on production or do safety or do something. I'm tired of him talking about serving, right? Most of the time when people complain about that, it's because they're not serving, right? It's because they're not serving. And so we need to be better um, uh, managers of our time. The same is true of our finances. Hey, listen, I get it. Like, I'm so thankful that as a church, that while we do mention giving options, we're not berating you because I get it. When, if you've, you're here for the first time or you've, you're here for the first time in a long time, I understand when you bring a guest or a neighbor or a friend or family member, it's like, please don't talk about money. Please don't talk about money, right? Because church is like, you need to give your money. And then you walk out and you're like, Man, give this, give that. You got to give all this, you know? And I understand that. But at the same time, as believers, we believe in the spiritual discipline of generosity and, and to give. It's important to Christian character. And I want you to know, I'm not driving a Ferrari, okay? I drive a 2004 Dodge Ram, all right? But so often it's like, well, this the pastors just get it. I actually had a guy joke one time that said, man, you pastors must make a lot of money. It wasn't at this church, okay? You pastors must make a lot of money because it takes a lot of deacons to collect the offering, <laughs> you know? I'm like, what in the world? That is not what it's about. It's about advancing the mission of Jesus. In a couple weeks, we're gonna have Mission Emphasis Sunday where we give and provide opportunities for our international and local missions uh, teams and partnerships so that we can see the gospel advance. And so let's not us uh, just kind of narrow down and say they just want our money. But here's the main reason that we don't like to do it is because it calls us out of our comfort zone, doesn't it? When we have to, we have to give God uh, and have the opportunity to give God our time, our talent, and our treasure, it calls us out of our comfort zone. And here's the truth this morning, is that when we step out of our comfort zone, God uses our obedience. 
When we step out of our little bubble, our little safe place, and say, you know what? I need to kind of step out of this comfort zone. God uses your obedience. I'm sure many of us have stories that when we stepped out and we said, you know what? You know, I'm kind of, I really don't have that much money, but I really need to start giving. How, how God will use that to bless you. Not some prosperity gospel. That's not what I'm talking about, all right? But what I'm saying is when you start to step out and you start to serve people, Man, God uses that in a, a crazy way to show us who we are and to teach us about God. And so in this series, we're going to be walking through these things. And so the question on the table each and every week is this. What if you obey God with your time? What if you obey God with your talent? What if you obey God with your treasure? Each of us, each of these weeks, if not all weeks, <laughs> we're faced with that decision. And you can either say, you know what, I want to obey God in those things, or I don't. And that's between you and God. I'm not here to convict you. I'm just here to preach God's word and to, and to show this is what the word of God teaches us. And so I wanted to start off with this. We're going to be in Ecclesiastes all three of these weeks. But I wanted to start off with this because I think Paul does such a great job um, in his letter to the church of Ephesus in Ephesians 5, verses 15 and 16. This is what he says. He says, look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of your time, because the days are evil. All right? He, he talks about this, these days being evil. And so what Paul is saying here in a nutshell, look carefully then how you walk, that you and I should be frequently evaluating our lives that we should be looking at how we live our lives according to God's word, saying, okay, am I, am I doing a good job? Am I walking in truth? Am I walking according to scripture? Look carefully, examine your life. We should be doing that each and every day. And, and I'm saying beyond just, am I a good parent? Am I doing what I'm supposed to at my job and in my home? I'm saying when it comes to your walk with Jesus, look carefully, evaluate how you walk. Then Paul says, not as unwise, but as wise. Now, I would say this. I don't think any of us woke up this morning and said, I can't wait to make a stupid decision today. All right? I can't wait to do something really, really dumb to get me in trouble in my marriage or with my kids or at my job or any of that. We want to be wise people. We want to make wise choices. We want to do things that are good for our finances, for our family, for our jobs. But then Paul says, and I think this is a key principle that he's saying, he says, make the best use out of your time. So if you want to be wise, make the best use of your time because the days are evil. You don't need me to tell you we live in a broken, lost, evil world. And so as we're going through life in a broken, lost, evil world, are we making the best use of our time? And that's what we're going to really hit on this morning is how has God called us in the time that you and I have to be good stewards of that time and to uh, really use it for God's kingdom, not our own. So let's read in Ecclesiastes chapter 9. And I will tell you this, Ecclesiastes is in a section of the Old Testament, kind of the poetic 
uh, literature, if you will, of the Old Testament. And so some of it is a little um, odd, and, and um, this might be a little odd for some of you, but it drives home an incredible point. It's written by King Solomon, who had everything at his disposal and really talks a lot about time, talks a lot about life. And so we see this in these two verses, and then we're going to break them down a little bit um, in this. Um, chapter 9, verse 11 and 12. He says this, Again, I saw that under the sun, the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor the bread to the wise, nor riches to the intelligent, nor favor to those with knowledge. But time and chance happen to them all. For man does not know his time. Like fish that are taken in an evil net, and like birds that are caught in a snare. So the children of man are snared at an evil time when it suddenly falls upon them. So Solomon here is really kind of in summary, uh, kind of a mantra or statement that we hear oftentimes in life is life is short and then you die. Isn't that real encouraging this morning, <laughs> right? And so, and so Solomon is like, hey, listen, you don't know your time. Time, time is here and uh, there'll be a time where you just get scooped up and it'll be an evil time, but you don't know it. Time and life is short. And so Three points this morning if you're taking notes. The first one, not very encouraging. You cannot or you can't escape time. You can't escape time. Whether we like it or not, time keeps on moving, doesn't it? How often do you and I say, I wish I had more time. I wish there was more time at my job so I can get this project done. I wish I could spend more time with my family. I wish we had more time to go out on dates. I wish I had more vacation time or time off. You know, we want more time. We want all these different things, more time in the day to just get things done. And if you really think about it, time, it keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. Listen, first service got that a lot better than you guys, man. Y'all are slow, all right? But think of, no, that's a joke, all right, Steve Miller Band. But if you think about it, man, it is. Like, time is slipping. It is getting away from us. Before you know it, it is gone. And for many of us, we wake up every single day. We go to a job that we do not like. We spend money that we do not have to impress people that we really do not care for. And we do it every single day. And day in and day out, the clock is ticking, time is passing, and we're left. And oftentimes we die and no one remembers us. And so we can't escape the time. We can't do this. And I, I feel like personally I faced this, this tension over the, uh, the summer I turned 40. And some of you would be like, 40? I mean, that's like the new 70. I don't know. But you're like, that's not really that old. But my body, it, well, there's parts of me that I'm like, man, I feel like I'm 25. But then my body reminds me, hey, bro, you're 40, okay? You can't do that. You know what I'm talking about? Like you go and do stuff and you're like, yeah, I played basketball with my kids. Let's go do it. And then I'm like, okay, I'm hurting, all right? For three days, I'm walking like this up the stairs. You know what I'm talking about? And, and so you think about it and I remember when me and my wife would go on dates, when we first started dating, 
And like you had planned this big romantic thing and you go to a nice dinner and then you go to a nice movie and then you go downtown Greenville and you get some dessert and before you know it, it's like midnight, past midnight and you're like, this is awesome, I'm not even tired, I love being with you. And now at nine o'clock, I'm snoring on the couch. I have fallen asleep to like diners, drive-ins, the dives. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't know why because I'm repeat, you know, on the Food Network. And that's it, that's like life, right? And then I, I, I remember that the day that me and Sloan bought our first house, and I was like, yes, we bought our first house. I don't know how we're going to afford it, but we bought one, you know. And now I got excited like two years ago when we refinanced our house. I was excited about our interest rate. You know, it's like, yes. You know, it's like adulthood. It's like this changes, but it's like time. And I'm like thinking, I can't wait till our mortgage is paid down. It's going to be incredible, you know. And it's just time. If you're a parent, you know exactly what I'm talking about. That I remember when our kids were little and every other parent would be like, enjoy it because it goes by fast. And I was like, yeah, I wish this was done because I'm tired of bath time. I'm tired of cleaning up food, changing diapers, all those things, you know, like making sure there's outlet plugs and all that. And now I'm thinking, oh my goodness, our oldest is in eighth grade going to be a high schooler next year. What in the world? I miss those days. We can't escape time. It continues to go on and to go on and to go on. But God calls us, just as Solomon is saying, under the sun, the race is not for all, all these different pe people. We are in a race of time. And we're not promised tomorrow. And so what are we doing about it? We live in a world that leads us to waste our time. I mean, how often throughout the day are we checking social media, watching reels, and it's like before you know it, it's like, man, an hour just passed. I just watched a bunch of useless TikToks or whatever, you know. And God says, make the most of that. While you can't escape it, here's what God desires. God desires us to take the time he has given us and to use it for his kingdom, not ours. God wants us to take the time he has given us. You and I can't make time. But the time that God has given us as a precious gift to use it for his kingdom, not ours. I love Craig Rochelle, who's a pastor out in Oklahoma. He, he says this, if you're not dead, you're not done. To make the use of your time, as long as you're breathing, make the use of the time that God has given you. So think on that. The second thing that we see this morning, another depressing point, is you can't control time. You cannot control it. Now, if you flip to Ecclesiastes chapter 3, probably the most famous passage of Ecclesiastes. You probably have seen this on a greeting card. But Solomon says this in chapter um, 3, verses 1 through 9. He says, For everything there is a season, and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek and a time to loose. A time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. 
a time for war, and a time for peace. And then he asked this question, what gain has the worker, that's you and me, what gain does the worker from has has the worker from his toil what do we gain in our time and what we see is that solomon is pointing out that god is the giver and the taker of time you and i cannot control it what he says in chapter 9 is that everyone is a victim of time and chance that we don't know but every single one of us i say this all the time have a 100% chance of dying There will be a day when our time is up and we will be, as the writer says, like the fish caught up in the evil net or the bird trapped in a snare. We do not know when it will happen. Not to scare you or sound morbid, you could literally leave here and drive to go get lunch and be in a horrific car accident. And I think what happens, because I know I'm guilty of this and I'm human just like you, is that oftentimes I take for granted the day that God has given me because I feel like I'm promised more. I feel like I'll live till I'm 80 something. You know, modern day medicine, I'll live to then. That won't happen to me. And if anyone's in this room has experienced sudden loss, you would say different. Don't take it for granted. You're not promised tomorrow. We can't control the time. And here's the thing is that when we least expect it, our lives will be over. And whether you die and are cremated or you're buried on our tombstone or some kind of plaque, you will have your birth date and a dash and your your death date. And what happens in that dash with what God has given us is remarkably true or should be an incredible moment for us to make the most of that dash. You following me? Because we have all been to funerals, and I'm telling you as a pastor, I've said this before, and I hate it. But you go to funerals where no one really made an impact in that dash. So you're at a funeral and you really don't know what to say about the person. What would you want someone to say at your funeral? What would you want them to say? And I hope it's beyond just they were really funny and that they, they were a good dad. But I hope it has some eternal significance that especially if you're a believer the way that you invest into people's life, the conversations you have with the people that you care for that say this person loved Jesus and made the most of their time. That it wasn't wasting time when people are dying and going to hell every single day and we don't give a rip. To say, you know what? I'd rather just play on video games, take my nap and whatever to waste our time away. For us to see that we cannot control time and to make the best use of it. What we see actually in Ephesians 5 when Paul's talking about make the best use of your time. So the Greeks had two words for time. The first one is chronos. That's where we get chronological. This is more of a quantitative use of time. Seconds, minutes, hours, days. And so that could be managed that way. But what Paul uses is actually the second word, the second Greek word for time, kairos. And kairos is more qualitative. And so he's saying, have a quality life. Really, it it kind of translates, take advantage of every moment. Make moments. 
Don't let it just fly by and be like, I don't know, I don't have any credit or anything to show for it. Take advantage of those moments and let them be ones that advance the kingdom of God. And so he says that, and so I wrote this down, that we might not be able to control time as it goes, but we can be intentional with where it is going. Think about this. We can't control time. It's gonna, I mean, time's ticking away right now. But we can certainly be intentional with our time for what we're doing right now and where it is headed. Where that destination of our time for the decisions that we make right now and the intentionality that we have in each and every day with the way that we love our kids, the way that we love our spouse, the way that we um, do our jobs, the way we interact with our neighbors, all speak to whether we are intentional with the time and the gift that God has given us. Now, here's where we're guilty of. Oftentimes, we can say, well, I will do that someday. So I wrote this down. I think I've heard this before, so I don't know where it's from, but I'm going to give credit to wherever. But do not let someday rob this day. That we can often say, well, someday I'll serve. Someday I'll, when I have some more money, I'll give. Someday when I have some more time, I'll, I'll love on my kids a little bit better. We're just really, really busy. It's just all over the place. We don't have any time, but someday... Don't let someday rob this day because guess what? That someday will come and you're going to look back and have nothing to show for it. Don't, don't rob this day with that someday. And here's the good news as we close this morning. Finally, some good news, right? Because you can't escape time and can't control time. It's utterly depressing, okay? But that third is that you can redeem time. You might be saying, okay, well, that doesn't really make sense. What do you mean by Redeem. Well, let me first say this. One, for many of us, when we look back over our lives, we have all made some really horrible mistakes. We've had failures, regrets, hurts, pains, things that we wish we wouldn't have done or wouldn't have said. And here's the beauty of Jesus, that it starts with surrender. Just as we celebrated baptism and giving our lives to Jesus, that when we surrender those things, Jesus redeems them. How many stories over and over and over in the New Testament do we see where Jesus comes to people who have a ton of baggage and he redeems them and he sets them on a new trajectory? That's what Jesus does. So when we come to the foot of the cross because of Jesus' redemptive plan through his blood that was shed, God gives us new time. He heals us from those things, redeems those past mistakes and failures. But then moving forward, once we've made that decision, here's how we can redeem time. I love what, um, there's a guy named Reggie Joyner. He, um, he's been around for a long time. He was a children's pastor, a family minister, and he actually um, created a long time ago and started an organization called Rethink called the, um, that started the Orange Curriculum. That's actually the curriculum we use in all of our kids' environments across all campuses. But he's famous for saying this. He says, to make your days count, count your days. Essentially saying, if, if I was to show up or a doctor was to show up and says you, it says, you have five days to live, you would change how you live, right? You wouldn't take the things that God has given you for granted. And so what Reggie is saying, and make your days count, count your days, is really coming off of Psalm 19, verse 12, where the psalmist writes this. He says, so teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. There's that connection again with wisdom. Wisdom. 
As we count our days, teach us to count our days, for us to live every single day. That when we wake up, instead of being like, oh, i got to go to this dumb job. I don't even make enough money. I've got to deal with these kids. Man, they get on my nerves. Amen. Okay. Um, you know, that as we're going through life, instead of waking up and just dreading it, saying, you know what? I want to redeem my time. God's given me breath in my lungs to live today. And whatever I can do, I want to bring honor to him and to his kingdom and to his glory. And so I want to count my days and I want to live today as if it was my last. So what can I do? What conversations do I need to have? Who do I need to call and tell them I love them? How do I need to love on my kids? How do, who do I need to ask forgiveness um, from? All those different things. And I kind of wrote this down. These are kind of practical things. Four really, really quick steps of how we can redeem our time. One, spend time with God. You and I need personal time with Jesus. You want to redeem your time going forward? Start off your day with being with Jesus. Man, that doesn't mean that you have to read an entire book. You know, there's a lot of things in the, in the, in the Gospels and in Scripture that's like, I, I don't understand that. Well, read a verse. Talk to God. Spend time with Him. Second thing, spend time with, in worship. This is so much on a Sunday morning. It's so much more than just a Sunday morning. This is a time for us to gather, to celebrate life change, to worship, to be filled up, and to be fed. This is important. And oftentimes we feel empty, and a lot of times it's like, because I haven't been to church in a long time. Man, be a part of worship to redeem your time and to speak volumes to your family as you lead them. Three, spend time serving. As I said, you're going to redeem your time by pouring into someone else's life. Whether that's holding a kid, teaching a Bible lesson, doing art and crafts, waving people um, in the parking lot, running sound, being a part of our safety team, whatever it is, serve people. Get out of your comfort zone and say, you know what? I don't want my time to be about me. I want to serve other people because other people need Jesus. And then fourth and finally, talk to people about the gospel. When we leave here every single morning, we are essentially missionaries into a broken and lost world for us to go out and to tell people about Jesus. Make the most of your time. That every day, look for opportunities to say, who can I tell Jesus, uh, tell them about Jesus? Who's something in my inner circle that they need Jesus? And maybe it starts with like, hey, how can I pray for you? Hey, you know, Jesus changed my life. Maybe it's just sharing a little bit of what God's teaching you and showing you. It doesn't have to be like, hey, can I read all of John <laughs> to you? But for us to walk through and to build those relationships to make the best use of our time. So this morning, the invitation's on the table. Are you honoring God? Are you obeying God with your time? So you can come down here. I'll, I'll, I would love to pray with you. If you've never started with surrender, today's the day to, for you to start that. And who knows, maybe you can get baptized in November. Maybe you want to come down here and just pray on the front and say, hey, I've been wasting my time. I haven't been a good manager. I haven't been stewarding that well. This will be an incredible time for you to do that. And then as we worship, let it just be your prayer of your heart of who God is for you. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for being the giver of time. And we confess, every single one of us, we waste time every single day doing stuff that really has no significance. And so, Father, will you change our hearts and our minds that as we wake up, as we go throughout our day, not to be one that has this mindset and this heart that just is complaining, but to be thankful, to be thankful for the life and the air that you have put into our lungs and the heart that is beating 
for one more day, one more opportunity to show people who you are and what you're all about. And Father, for the person here that they would honestly just in this time say, hey, I'm not living for you. God, I pray that today that changes. And whether that's a conversation with me now or afterwards, God, speak to them. Let them have boldness. Say, I want to start living on God's time, not my own. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Hey, let's stand and let's close and worship together.